Writer-director Tiger G gained recognition at the tender age of 19 with his award-winning short, Wuhan Driver, which caught attention from Jonathan Sanger of Vanilla Sky and Elephant Man. Now, Tiger graduated from NYU Gallatin School of Individualized Study, where he studied philosophy and literature. And he's an alum of the 2022 short to feature lab led by Jim Cummings of Thunder Road fame. Now, Tiger G's new short film, Death and Ramen, is a dark buddy comedy between a ramen chef and the Grim Reaper. And Death and Ramen has been selected to appear at this year's Palm Springs Short Fest. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome writer-director Tiger G and his short film, Death and Ramen, to the show. Welcome, Tiger. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, what made you pursue a career in filmmaking? Wow. Um, I guess I always wanted to tell stories. And when I was super young, uh, back in Hong Kong, I dreamt of being a manga artist. Uh, so I wanted to illustrate for comic books. And um, I found myself always drawing essentially like storyboards. And um, that quickly translated into film. Um, and I made my first... Uh, like sort of semi-professional project when I was 16 um, and sort of fell in love with it. I went to an art school uh, outside of Boston and um, learned how to write there, learned structure, um, was introduced to art house cinema at a pretty young age. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it was an early start for me and it's uh, I guess I'm still getting started. <laughs> well... The great thing is, you know, when it comes to film, uh, there's always something to learn and always something there to help sharpen our uh, skills, regardless if you're wanting to be a director or a producer or, or an actor. Uh, and in your case, too, even an illustrator or who knows, maybe one day you'll do an uh, animated film. Yeah, it would be such a joy to do that. Um but like in, in a way where it, it, it's like almost adult animation, like the way Charlie Kaufman did Animalisa. I think that's like, for me, like where I would love to function in um, if we're daydreaming. <laughs> well, I know one thing. That's where a lot of film is birthed from. And that is definitely the, the art uh, of daydreaming. And we definitely got to keep that alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you this right now. Do not give up on your dreams if you feel that the career of filmmaking is calling your name, go do it. Hey, Tiger, tell us about the synopsis of your film, Death and Ramen. And I have to say this because out of all of the films that I've seen so far, this one was an absolute breath of fresh air. I mean, we need more comedies in our world of drama, regardless if they're just uh, bright or dark. But I love this film. So what's it all about? Thank you. Uh, wow, that was very kind of you. Um, Death and Ramen is a short buddy comedy between a ramen chef and the Grim Reaper. So on this ramen chef's final evening alive, he decides to take his own life, but accidentally botches his suicide. And the Grim Reaper um, shows up at his doorstep anyway. And there's a sort of comedy error, comedy of errors that occurs between the two of them. And um, as the night progresses, the two sort of embark on a sort of um, late night odyssey where they share a bowl of ramen and 
by the end of it, um, they each learn a little more about being human. It's tender and sweet. And I wanted to approach mortality in that way where there was humor and levity in the face of this uh, darkness. Um, I wanted to sort of maintain two ends of that spectrum. And, and you, you did just that with this film. Now, where did the idea come from for this short film? I mean, thinking about not just the ramen shelf and the Grim Reaper, but was there anything um, that you pulled from your personal life to create this story? Um, I would say that the the genesis of the idea came from this one time a friend of mine and I were sitting down and we were watching Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. But somehow we forgot subtitles or I forget how this happened, but the subtitles weren't on. And um, we just kept watching through the entire movie. Neither of us spoke Swedish. <laughs> and we just saw the, this movie uh, without subtitles. And it's such an inadvertently hilarious film, even down to like the details of, of Death's costume in that movie. It's like a bad Halloween costume with like skin tight spandex and and like just like a cape draped over this like pale face and it looks like you know amateur theater but for some reason it takes itself so seriously which makes it so much funnier um and i was moved by it in a strange way and started thinking about what would happen if we made a buddy comedy between death and man and i know that this is a sort of exhausted and tired trope that's been explored ad nauseum even before cinema you know, came around um, the narrative between man and death. And I wanted to modernize it and sort of take away the fear and darkness surrounding it and make it a buddy comedy, whereby instead of um, man and death sitting down together and uh, playing chess, where they have this oppositional nature in their dynamic, where man needs to sort of think of a way to cheat death or escape it, um, and by the end of it, realize how you know, immersive and terrifying and in, um, inescapable it is. Instead of that narrative, I wanted man and death to sit down and have a nice bowl of ramen, right? Well, where it's one of the elements, I, I should say the overall element of this movie, and ladies and gentlemen, when you, when you have the opportunity to see it, you've got to watch it. But what I loved about it, Tiger, was is that it was not predictable in any way. And if you're looking at a person and it's a buddy comedy with the Grim Reaper, a lot of people already have a preconceived idea as to what's going to happen, or it's kind of like watching a, a crime drama, so to speak, and you're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And you say, oh yeah, I, I know who did it. But this film is full of surprises and not just in the way that the scenes were shot, but the, the storyline. You know, even to the very end, the viewer will never figure out how this ends until they watch it from start to finish, which I think is just uh, part of your brilliance in this. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was definitely like we I knew what I was stepping into, even though it's a short film. It's like I was kind of functioning within this genre and functioning within this long line of tradition. Um in this narrative and it's like quite an archetypical story 
and we had to make it subversive in some sort of way. And balancing that act and making it surprising was was a very difficult thing to write. And eventually I realized the thing that would make it true and the most surprising is is if um, we sort of injected as much personal aspects of like my life as possible, you know, and, and it's like, yes, it's a universal story. Yes, it's a like a archetypical story. The only way to make it specific is to make it specific, you know, yeah, very much so. And but I want to bring up bring up something about the film. Uh, you have the subject of suicide in a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Now that's a serious subject by itself. How are you able to uh, lighten it up a bit? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, first of all, I don't know how how we did it. I think it just happened, but it was a challenge. Um, it was a tight wire act for sure, because I just looked at a lot of tragic comedies and, and um, what I found was that there, there are almost like two ends of the spectrum for, for stuff like this. On the one hand, there's like the Monty Python, hyper ironic, like nothing is ever taken seriously. And on the other hand, there's like the pure tragedy melodrama that talks about you know, these very dark themes and fully embraces it with no irony and humor whatsoever. My thing was, it was very important to kind of approach it in as sincere a way as possible and avoiding any irony because we wanted to honor this person's pain and we wanted to honor the reality that life can get very hard. Um, But at the same time, the humor doesn't necessarily come from the irony of it. The humor comes from the gentleness of it the humor comes from how surprising it is for the image of a man to cry in the arms of death himself and death is surprisingly the figure that comforts him is the figure that holds him as he cries and says it's okay everything's gonna be okay um i don't know if that necessarily answers your question but i I think uh yeah, like the, the way to to balance it out really is, is to just be as sincere as possible and, and, and honor the pain, you know, but I agree. I agree with yeah. that. And you bring up a great point of, you know, looking at Monty Python, for an example, they made fun of everything that you could have ever imagined, even when the feature films were done. I mean, there was so much death and destruction and blood, everything that they did, you laughed at. Yeah. And of course, suicide is a whole different situation, but you really handled the subject in this film with incredible grace. Um, it, it would not be, it's not offensive to anyone who sees this film because ladies and gentlemen, it's a dark comedy. Please focus on the word comedy because I found I found myself laughing, Tiger, throughout this film. Um, like I said, it was a breath of fresh air. It was an absolute joy to watch, and I have to watch a lot of film and different topics and genres. But this one allowed me to finally sit down and go, "Oh, great! I can enjoy something like this." Uh, what was the casting process like? Because you got Bobby Lee and Matt Jones in this film. 
Yeah, so I wrote the script initially for Bobby Lee and with Bobby in mind. I was looking for an Asian American actor who had a rawness and realism to him that wasn't necessarily an A-list actor. Um, and I need, I was a fan of Bobby from Mad TV for a long time, since my youth. And um, I sort of saw an episode in passing of his podcast, Tiger Belly, where he exemplified a vulnerability about his life that was so dark, but also so um, specific, you know? Um, and I immediately thought that he'd be right for the role. And so I sort of wrote the character based off of his plight and his um, struggles that he shares on that podcast. Well, and he, he brings that character to life, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, based on how it ends. And, you know, I looked at Bobby Lee as well, you know, and I know what you're talking about where he bring he in on his podcast, he talks about a particular dark time in his life. And I've seen that clip on Instagram over and over again. And that's really where I started to learn who Bobby Lee was. But he is an excellent actor, and I don't think you could have picked you, you couldn't have picked a better actor for that part. Well, thank you. No, that means a lot. Bobby is just a sort of force to be reckoned with, and um, part of directing him was almost like, and in the best way possible, I say this was like directing a tornado where you kind of just had to redirect his like force into a pointed way because he's so he got so much presence and energy. Um, and that was a very, very interesting tight wire act to walk. Um, uh, the, does he have an element of Robin Williams within him? Cause I know that, uh, when, you know, Robin was here with us and he would do, uh, his acting, sometimes the directors just kind of like took the leash off and could just kind of let him do his thing just to kind of see what he would do with a scene. Uh, did you do, did you give any leeway to Bobby? like that yeah well i'm very um like specific and pointed and where i need a scene to go and so i would say the, the it's so the, the word leash is just so funny here but the leash was definitely like um like the grip was softened at times but definitely because bobby is such a performer right and he does stand up and and um he's so big um He's someone who can play a hundred and zero and a lot of the film functions within 50. And so the, the direction was definitely very much like, okay, I need you to do this specific thing and this is how we need to discuss it. And Bobby is a, he's a force. And so like that push and pull was definitely like a very interesting um, thing. And also gaining his trust was another thing because I'm relatively young. And he sort of saw me as this like kid who got him and he's like, oh, you're so lucky to have me. <laughs> and, uh, there's definitely like a, uh, a sort of um, artistic proving oneself to someone like Bobby. That's for sure. Now you asked about the casting process. And so in, in terms of Matt, I was thinking of what the perfect death would be in this film. That's a buddy comedy. And first of all, visually, Matt is 6'4 and Bobby's five, four or less, I think. So I just thought that'd be, it's just a hilarious, like 
height difference and and um they just look very funny next to each other um so there was but we we picture if we picture the grim reaper ourselves yeah. we would look at him as being a towering figure over all of us exactly so, and so it worked perfectly i mean when i was looking at matt doing you know playing the grim reaper i was sitting there watching and i'm like there's a little bit of johnny knoxville there <laughs> um and that's a compliment where he's funny he's serious uh but yeah and then there was that softening that that compassion that came from him which was very unexpected from the grim reaper which is why i really love this film because you in such a short amount of time there are so many surprises there's so many scenes but it just flows with incredible artistic grace thank you part of my idea with casting matt is is like the progression of the first few scenes like the softness because i discovered him like most people through badger from breaking bad and um my idea was how do i make a character like um death and and so there's this idea of like him having this hood over his face is this strange and dark figure and he's terrifying and then he drops bobby on the ground and then he removes his hood and it's just badger with a friendly face so that that act of like removing the hood and subverting um what we're afraid of in the shadows is is my personal relationship with mortality in the past few years of acknowledging that this is not necessarily something to fear and what if you could become friends with death? And in a lot of ways, I sort of pitched this project in the beginning, as well as the feature version of it, as a way to give death a hug. And that's what this film is about. It's about giving death a hug. As pretend- a, Yeah, and I guess in a way, maybe that um, death looks like us or vice versa. And yeah. I think that's why the character, why, as me, as an audience or a viewer watching, I could really, you know, I could embrace, you know, Matt's role as the Grim Reaper. Uh, I think one of the magic uh, parts of this film of Death and Ramen was that when you wrote it, you had Bobby Lee didn't really fight the Grim Reaper, Mm -hmm. you know, saying... I've changed my mind. And, you know, and of course the Grim Reapers, you know, we all know it's going to be, well, it's a little bit late for that, but he didn't really fight it. But I love the whole point of wanting to share this ramen uh, recipe with the Grim Reaper. It's almost, you know, it's, it's almost like he wanted to share the, the greatest memory uh, of his life with the Grim Reaper before his eternity begins. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw ramen as a sort of symbol or metaphor for like the kind of antithesis of nihilism. That's how I sort of described it. It was a metaphor for um, all things that life come from it's like the common denominator for life you know it's like so nurturing but so simple and easy to make ramen is an expression of love 
as shown in the scene with his mother. Raman is what bridges that gap when words have failed us, when we can't articulate our love to others, especially family. We put food in front of them to say, hey, I know I'm not perfect, but this is what we have, and this is the life we have. And that's what ramen means to me personally. And so um, for to take that one step further for a human being to then share that bowl and recipe with death himself is a sort of peace treaty in a way. It's, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to die. I have something I need to do. But for now, we're hungry. So let's eat in a way, you know? Yeah, I, I completely get that. You know, food is something that brings everyone together. Uh, from Food can bring two people together who are in disagreement. It brings two people together who are in love. Uh, brings people together who are friends and family. And in this case, you used food to bring a mortal soul face-to-face -face with the Grim Reaper. And he just wanted to share that, I guess, that, that one highlight, that one great love um, with someone, again, before eternity starts. And the story is absolutely fantastic. And uh, again, it's one of my favorite short films of the year. And I want to ask you, Tiger, because behind the scenes of this film, you have mega producers, uh, <clears throat> Scott Haroni and Jonathan Sanger. How did you get their support for the production of Death and Ramen? I have no idea, man. Uh, well, I, <laughs> Jonathan has been a mentor of mine for uh, the past few years, uh, ever since like my first real endeavor into professional filmmaking with my first short film, Wuhan Driver. And he's been sort of supporting me ever since. And I'm just so honored to have him um, be a sort of guiding light for my career. And uh, Scott is just a wonderful person that I met um, last year just through like mutual friends. And yeah, I think that I'm really lucky to have found um, mentors who are willing to support me, who believe in me. And um, I can't be more humbled and grateful to have that like it's really an invaluable source to have as a young filmmaker because otherwise your back is really against the wall you know there's a lot of people who are like you're so young you can't uh you can't do this but when there's someone who's in your corner it's uh you got your rocky balboa right oh absolutely and here's the thing i look at age means nothing i mean if you go on youtube you can see an 11 year old play the exact guitar licks just as perfect as Eddie Van Halen. So age has age is <clears throat> limitless, regardless if you start early or if you start late. And uh, but kudos to you because you know I when I watch this film, not only is it brilliant, the cinematography is absolutely perfect. Uh, how long did it take you to actually film it? It's five long nights in Los Angeles. So five nights we filmed it. Now, are we going to see a feature film of Death and Ramen? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are currently in development for um, the Death and Ramen feature. 
it's going to be quite different uh, just in terms of story construction, but I hope to explore the same themes and also play around with this um, gag that deals with um, death as a business and death as a bureaucracy. Um, but at its core, it's still a story between a son and a mother. And it's a story about um, articulating love. Um, it's a story about forgiveness and uh, letting go of that which needs to be let go of um, as the cycle of life continues. Um, yeah. Well, you explained it absolutely perfectly. And you bring up some elements of that film that I noticed, especially when the Grim Reaper uh, tells uh, Bobby Lee that there is a uh, partic particular order in the areas of, of death and who comes to retrieve you. Uh, so yeah, there's a business side of it that I found ac actually comical. And uh, to see you explore a little bit of that into the feature film, I cannot wait to Thank see you. a full length of Death and Ramen. But for you, how does it feel to be selected uh, to uh, show your film at Palm Springs Short Fest? Uh, you know, um, it's a great honor, obviously, but I think that it's important to kind of, you know, keep calm and just see it as one step to creating the story that you want. Um, trying not to get too caught up in the, the sort of um, excitement around it and just keep your head down and, and keep working, you know. Well, what do you hope that the viewing public at the Short Fest will take away from your film? I hope that they see what I wanted to say with it. Um, but at the end of the day, I hope that the thing speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, it's a real, uh, it's an audience film. It's a film that has a lot of highs and a lot of, you know, lows. It, it hits a lot of marks and, uh, you know, no doubt um, it would resonate with some people. And I hope that uh, it inspires some thoughts. Well, <clears throat> I would expect a standing ovation for your film because it's that Good. And for you, besides working on a full-length feature film of Death and Ramen, what else can we expect to see from you next? Um, gosh, I don't know. I'm sort of kind of studying. Um, I'm studying with uh, Ruben Ostlin, one of my like cinematic heroes this summer, literally in like three weeks. Um, so I'll be making a short film with him in Italy uh, as a part of this program. Um, and then after that, I'm, I have a few short films I'd like to make in the interim um, between now and, and the Death and Ramen feature. Uh, and the rest is uh, up in the open. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the opportunity to see the world premiere of Death and Ramen at this year's Palm Springs Short Fest, it's June 22nd at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tiger, I want to thank you for spending uh, your time with us today and to talk about your incredible, uh, brilliant short film. And I mean that honestly, brilliant short film, Death and Ramen. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. It's an honor. Well, to all of my viewers and listeners, I want to thank you for watching the Ward Bond Show. And you can catch the replay of my TV interview with Tiger G and his short film, Death and Ramen, on our YouTube channel at Bond on Cinema. So that's it for me, and I'll see you next time.